0: We forgive our debtors, and then we're qualified to make our petitions known before the Lord today. Hallelujah. Praise God. What would happen if all of God's people entered in to the priestly ministry of intercession? All of God's people. There are people that are specifically called to pray and intercede. And they have this ministry and they love nothing more than getting down before the Lord and interceding. And and it's become incorporated into their life. But there's so many people that see that as a unique calling for certain people. Uh, Amen. And uh, there is a calling for every child of God. If my people, collectively, corporately... If my people, if you belong to him, this is your calling today. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way, I will hear and seek my face. A lot of people seeking his favor But he says, seek my face. The good thing, the good news is if you seek his face, you will have his favor. Hallelujah. It it just comes with it as a bonus. Hallelujah. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven. I will heal their land. I love the way God talks because He's not mealy-mouthed and He doesn't mince words. That's why, Brother Taylor, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I meet people that have been to Bible colleges that mince words. God said it in His Word, but just like the illustration I used before. But, you know, you can't really take that to the bank. You can't really put your trust in that. My Bible said He watches over His Word to perform it. He said heaven and earth would pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my Word will abide forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if we have a God this faithful to His Word, then the least we can do is believe His Word and receive His Word. Hallelujah. Praise God. He said, if you meet these qualifications as my people and you intercede, you and that was the old covenant. We're in a new covenant now, and the Bible said of the new covenant, it is a new and better covenant, and it is established on better promises. And if those blessings were available under the old covenant, let me give you an old covenant blessing real quick before we study about intercessory prayer for a little while here today in the in the old covenant david said bless the lord number 1 he said what shall i render to god for all his benefits unto me and listen to some of the benefits that he had in the old covenant this right here is kevin if you don't know kevin you need to get to know kevin because kevin is a child of the most high god he's my brother and not from another mother either. Amen. This is my real, genuine Christian brother today. And Kevin, I didn't know your name and I, last week. And I'm sorry for that. I should have known it when you first come through the door. But we bless you today. And we're glad that you're here today. Praise God. Hallelujah. So Kevin is with us. We're on the same page. He was here last week. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen carefully. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Psalm 103 says. Bless His holy name who forgives all of thine iniquities, who heals all of thy diseases, who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles, who delivers thy soul from destruction. That's the old covenant. He's receiving all of that. Not the kind of forgiveness that... We have today in its completeness and fullness, but there was forgiveness. David discovered that, and, 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 and he knew that this great God had this great capacity for mercy and grace in the old covenant. And he received the benefit of that mercy and grace through the old sacrificial system, which was only a type and foreshadow of what would happen when Jesus come and consummated all of that type and foreshadow. Praise God. We should be a people of prayer. His house is a house of praise and worship. We should have churches filled with the praises of God. It shouldn't be a show. It should be something that everyone participates in, not just sit back and and watch as others do. Every Christian should be involved in the worship of God. Every Christian should have a thankful heart, and we should enter His gates with that thankful heart, that attitude of gratitude. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Look at the progression into His presence. First, you have to go through gates. And what gets you through the gate? An attitude of gratitude. Everybody say an attitude of gratitude. Hallelujah. Don't be like the little boy. Remember the Christmas story? Anybody see that? Remember what the aunt sent him? The rabbit suit, pajamas... He put them on and come walking down the steps. (laughs) And his daddy said, son, you you don't want to keep that on, do you? He said, no. He ran up the steps to take it off. Grandma knitted a sweater for a little boy who didn't care about wearing no sweater, particularly one that, that, you know, didn't look macho. (laughs) <laughs> man, it was a nice wool sweater, and Grandma knitted it took a lot of time to make it and and so so his mama asked him, "How did you like the sweater, true story that Grandma knitted for you?" He said, "I liked it, but not very much." Amen. He wasn't truly grateful. He wasn't truly thankful. Ah, what Jesus has done for us, we should be truly grateful, truly thankful. We should be maintaining an attitude of gratitude for all that He has done. And it is the attitude that gets you progressively coming into His presence. Enter His gates with what? Thanksgiving. Amen. But then there's a second step. You don't just keep it in your heart. You let it get up in your mouth. Hallelujah. Amen. Entering his courts, expressing that gratitude in what? The appropriate way to... The, the appropriate way to... Is to praise him. The appropriate way to express gratitude is to praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I love the story of Cory ten Boom when she said... She said, you know, we, we, we were just, we prayed and we prayed. She was in Ravensbrück concentration camp during World War II. And there were lice, just terrible plague of lice. And she said, you know, we were praying for these lice to die for God to kill these lice. We were scratching our heads and they were all over us and and, and she said, you know, these lice got worse it seemed like. <laughs> she said she says, you know, you know, but the guards would come to take women out to use for sexual reasons. And when they came to us, there were so many lice, they wouldn't touch us. She said, "You know, we started thinking about that, and we started thanking God for delights." Can you say, "Man, <laughs> Hallelujah, Amen"? If you look, you will find something to thank God for. Can you say, "Man"? If your car got totaled and you walked away, and you're saying, "Why did you let this happen?" Where, where's my? Where's? If that truck, I'm looking at a lady who loved her truck. Amen. You can't see it, but she's getting a little red on that neck. I can almost see just a little red. She drives a, what is it? A Nissan, listen, a Nissan Titan. What engine is in it? A V8, wow, I could have had a V8, but I couldn't afford the gasoline, can you say, man? That's why she has to work night and day and pray too, can you say, man? It'll pass everything but a gas station, amen, everything on the road. If that thing got totaled tomorrow, but you walked away, you could just look at the wreckage of that truck or you could say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm still here. I can get another truck. Amen. Thank you for delivering me. In everything, in everything, in everything, in every circumstance, give thanks. Don't thank Him for what the devil tried to destroy you with. Thank Him for His promise to be with you and to deliver you no matter what happens in your life. Just give Him thanks. in His gates with thanksgiving. And then praise Him. In the store. Hallelujah. Enter His courts. You're through the gates. Enter His courts. With praise. With praise. With praise. Praise. Hallelujah. You're almost in the throne room. You're almost in the throne room. And come before His presence. With singing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Always making melody in your heart to the Lord. Always. Say always. Always making melody in your heart to the Lord. God responds to that kind of worship and praise that is consistent, that has a continuity to it. That says thank you for the cross every day. If I can't thank you for anything in my life at this moment, in my immediate circumstance, I'm going to thank you for the cross right here in my immediate circumstance. But because of that cross, I have your heart and your help in the time of trouble. Praise God. And I'm going to praise you right now for that privilege and that honor. What would happen if God's people begin to worship with continuity? If God's people begin to praise with consistency? Can you say amen? What would happen? What would happen? Well, God is faithful. And praise is the language of faith. It's not just a positive confession. It is a praising heart. If you've got an old long face... And you're just confessing. You're, you're going to blab it and grab it and name it and claim it, but you're not going to worship God for who He is and what He's done. You're going to fall short. All the blabbing and all the grabbing is not going to bring you what you need. But if you will worship Him in spirit and in truth, for God seeketh such to worship Him, can you say, man? Henry's gates with what? Henry's courts with what? Come before His presence with singing. Always making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. I heard the amusing story, but very illustrative of what we're talking about here today of of angels. You know, the Bible said that the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him to deliver them. They're here for a reason. They're not just ornamental. They're here to help. You and me, praise God, in the time of trouble. Hallelujah. Angels will bear you up in your hands unless you dash your foot upon the stone. So many deliverances has been executed by angelic beings that we didn't see. Brother Taylor ministered on angels not too long ago. Praise God. Told you about them and their their ministry to those who are sanctified, every one of us. Listen, Listen carefully. The angels in this story, this hypothetical story, but biblically supported story, amen, is that the angels are gathered in heaven. And it's not Sunday. It's Monday. Everybody say, Monday, Monday. It's Monday, it ain't Sunday anymore You've not got on your Sunday face Because it's Monday I-oh, I-oh It's off to work, I go Oh no, nobody going off to work sings that <laughs> Can you say, man That kind of joyous attitude I used to go to When I was bivocational for 12 years I, I remember going to work At a production plant I remember going on on Monday morning, and I knew it was going to be a bad day because all the drinkers and all the partiers were hung over. And I knew they were going to be irritable and impatient. It was going to be hard to work with them. And I used to come out of a glorious Sunday service in the presence of God, and I would come in whistling before the Lord, whistling a melody in my heart. I don't even know what song it was. It was just a, a, a happy, happy song. I think an Academy Award winning song was by Pharrell Williams. Pharrell? You don't know which one. You don't watch TV or anything like that. But anyway, it was Pharrell Williams. Happy. 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 Being happy speaks volumes to a sin-saddened world. Yes. Happy is the man that has the Lord God of Jacob for his help. And happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. All of the pharmaceutical companies that are making millions on antidepressants would would be so sad to see all of us happy. Amen! Amen. It would make them sad to see us happy. Because it's a multi-billion dollar industry because in this blessed nation there's so much depression and sadness and heartache and heartbreak. But happy is the people whose God is the Lord. And happy is the man, the individual who has God for his help. Can you say man, Hallelujah. So I would come in happy because God is my help in the time of trouble. And I didn't have a guilty conscience. I didn't get drunk and do things I wish I hadn't done. You know, did I stand dance on the table? Did I kick out the light? Did I get in a fight? Jose Cuervo. Oh, the joys of the honky tonk life, amen. And I'd watch all those hungover, heartbroken people come in, with all the shame and all the guilt and and all of the 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 wondering if the wife is going to find out where they really were and what they w- really did. And I didn't see happy anywhere. And in fact, it bothered them if someone was happy. So I'd go in that locker room at a shift change with 150 people uh, getting their uniforms on to go to work, and I'd come in happy. And I wasn't trying to be a witness or trying to grandstand. I was just whistling a happy tune. And I remember on my side of the lockers, and you got people lining up, getting their uniforms on, getting ready to hit that time clock and just take over and keep that that production line going. And I, I was just happy. I couldn't help it. I wasn't trying. You know, you get this thing right in the Lord. The Bible said you don't have to try to be a light. You'll be like a city set on a hill, which cannot be hid. You don't have to try to get people's attention. Just be happy when everybody else is sad. Be hopeful when everybody else is depressed. And you will stand out in the crowd. You will stand out. If you leave church just like the world is going to leave their living rooms today and go out and try to find something to satisfy them, if you're as down in the mouth as the world is, don't try to tell them about Jesus yet. Let Him help you first. Get up out of that pit first. Get away from that sad sack, poor old me attitude and then tell them how good God is. But don't try to tell them why you're beat down, berated, and battered. Amen. Get the victory. There's victory for you today. Amen. They knew I was a Christian. They didn't know you could be a Christian and be happy. So I'm whistling a happy tune. I don't even know what it was. I don't even know if it was a praise song. It was just a happy song. Have you ever sung a happy song? Just happy. Hallelujah. Yes, a happy. It can be praise. Just happiness, (laughs) and someone said, "Who is that so happy over there?" They didn't know. They just heard happy, a happy tune, but somebody wants to know why I'm happy, and I didn't have to answer because somebody else on the other side said that must be the Rev over there. He's got that deep, settled peace within. And I thought, see, I didn't have to do nothing. But I did have to be happy in an unhappy world. Because a happy person... In, you know what the Bible said about everyone that doesn't know Christ in this world? They're without God and without hope in this present world. Can you say amen? But we are people of hope. We are the prisoners of hope. Hallelujah, because the God of hope fill you with the God of comfort fill you with all hope in believing. Hallelujah. When you just put your trust in Him, you are never in a hopeless circumstance or situation. And if God's people would rise up out of those valleys of depression and valleys of of defeat and come out and stand up and praise God and love God and serve God, God, it will speak volumes to a gainsaying world. Because they can't buy what you got. It doesn't come in pill form. Can you say, man david didn 't say, "I will look unto the pills from whence cometh my help." He said, "I will look into the hills from whence cometh my help, because my help cometh from the Lord. Can you say, man, are you preaching against pills no i 'm just saying i 'm reiterating the hills, and i 'm saying, if you will look to the hills, maybe you won 't need so many pills. Can you say, man, there are pills to get you up and pills to sit you down, pills to help you sleep, and pills to help you wake up." But there's not a happy pill in the world. Drug addicts think that cocaine's going to make them happy. It doesn't. It brings them into deep depression and bondage. Can you say "Man, Hallelujah. Listen, but there is one who will lift the heavy burden, who will give you hope, who will give you peace, who will give you power over the enemy and give you his promise that when you pray, he will listen to your prayer. Can you say "Man, Hallelujah. And Jesus is a promise keeper. And he said to those people who had been imposed an unbearable religious system had been placed upon them. A religious system that had no love in it and could in no way represent the God of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. And he said to people, listen, under that oppressive religious system, hope! Ye that labor and are heavy laden, come unto me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in spirit, and you will find that deep, subtle peace. Listen to it. You will find rest for your soul. Can you say amen? For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Hallelujah Praise God Serving God Removes that yoke of bondage And brings you into freedom And liberty Like you've never known Glory be to God Enter His gates with what? Thanksgiving Thank you for that Jesus Enter into His courts with what? Praise you Jesus for that And come before His presence with? Singing Singing Sing a song of joy Sing a song of praise Hallelujah. There's never been a true revival without joyous singing. There's never been victory without singing. And that's why the Bible said, Blessed are the people who know firsthand by personal experience the joyful sound. Make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Can you say amen? Everybody say a joyful noise. noise. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah! 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 It's amazing what happens when God's people begin to make a joyful noise before the Lord. Paul said, I will sing with my understanding, and I will sing with the Spirit. Paul was not just a prayer and a preacher. Paul was a singer of praises unto God. Hallelujah. At midnight, what happened? In a jail cell, held over to possibly be killed. Amen. Paul and Silas are in a Roman jail. And at midnight, they prayed. Oh, listen, if you are in jail and they might execute you the next morning, I believe you could develop your prayer life too. I I really do. I believe there's circumstances that would develop your prayer life. I would rather try to develop it without the circumstance. I'd like to be prayed up when the circumstance comes. In fact, I'd like to be so prayed up that it might not necessitate the circumstance to get me to pray. How many's ever prayed when you were in trouble? How many got out of the trouble? How many still prayed like you were in trouble after you got out of trouble? <laughs> Amen. Something about trouble that doesn't just draw you to God, it drives you to God easy to pray when you're in deep trouble. Amen. It's harder to pray when everything is going well and you're pressed for time because you've got so many things on your agenda. But it's that lack of prayer, that lack of praise, that lack of worship that contributes to the fact that we don't see God move like we need to see Him move and like the world around us needs to see Him move in our lives. Praise God. It must be the rev over there. Now, the Lord, here I am being a witness by coming in on Monday happy in You. The Bible said, (laughs) and by the way, where I work was not a happy place. It, It was oppressive. And everybody was feeling it. Everybody's temper was short. Amen. I remember one night, it got so bad, and they wouldn't slow the thing down, and things were flying off. You knew it was going to shut down if they didn't slow it down, but they didn't want to slow it down because as those bottles spin, those are dollars. And all they saw was the dollars. And they'd rather it break down than to slow it down, to keep it from breaking down so you could keep on producing. And then you're down and nothing is spinning. And I I tell them, slow it down, it's going to break that. Slow it down, it's going to break that. And sure enough, it broke that. And I was just, I would just. I was just fit to be tied because I wanted to do a good job and I wanted to keep production going and nobody would listen to me. And I, everybody, yards oh, broke down. And then all this crazy stuff is going on and there's nobody in the room but me because when things break down, everybody runs out to smoke and joke. Amen. hope it stays broke down for a while. But it's just me left in there with my anger and upsetness. See, I don't stay in clergy world. I've been out there in your world. And I know the pressures and the pitfalls and the pratfalls. And I don't always handle it like I should. The big old plastic, not plastic, it's some kind of material. Anyway, this big bin that you put plastic bottles in for grinding, it didn't have anything in it. And I had a Bruce Lee moment to vent my frustration. I walked by that thing and I thought, boy, I just feel like kicking some something, not somebody. Amen. <laughs> I love my dog. I ain't going to kick my dog. Amen. And I'm not going to kick somebody. But I can kick this here bin and not sin. Can you? <laughs> Amen. So this bin is going over. Oh, by the way, it won't hurt the bin. It won't destroy the bin. And I just give it one of them. And that bin went over and I felt better. I got to kick me something. I gotta kick me something or go home. Amen. <laughs> so I kicked that thing. You know what they did in Japan? Japan they in, in high production, they know that people get so pent up with emotion and, 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 and frustration. They got a timeout room. They give grown people time out in factories in Japan. Certain factories. This is in National Geographic. And you know what they you know what they have? A timeout room. And they've got one of those dummies that you You learn karate on One of those dummies It's just from the waist up You know And you can hit it You can kick it And all those Japanese You know Bruce Lee was Chinese So don't Let's don't even get into The whole Korea Japanese Chinese All of these guys They get frustrated The boss sees it Said time out John And John runs down To that room He don't sit in the corner (laughs) <laughs> he beats on that dummy. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And then he comes out and he feels better. And you know what God wants us to do with our time out? He wants us to praise Him. He wants to say time out when we're frustrated. Time out when we're agitated. Time out when we're depressed. Time out when we're just in that state of mind. He said, I want you to worship me. And I want you to do it by faith. Hallelujah. There's a point where you do not walk by feeling any longer. You begin to walk by faith. I thought nobody saw me kick that over. So so it doesn't really matter that I kicked it over. I'm only human. but I thought I'm not responding as a Christian to this circumstance the way God wants me to respond. And for my personal discipline. I began to worship Him while I was picking that thing up. Hallelujah. And I said, Lord, I just want to praise You. I just want to thank You. I just want to give You honor and give You glory. What You've done for me and what's happening here today shouldn't even be compared to one another. Amen. What You've done to me for me. Amen. See, I always put it this way. What He's done for me is far greater than what anybody can do to me. And if what He has done for you isn't greater than what somebody did to you, then you need to focus on what He's done for you instead of focusing on what someone's done to you. Because it's took your joy, it's interrupted your peace, and it's took your praise. And the Bible said, if you will praise Him... I love the old covenant prophet attitude who said, though the fig tree shall not blossom... There be no fruit upon the vine, and no cattle in the stalls. These is hard times, folks. Can you say, man, for in an agriculturally driven economy, this is a terrible, depressed time in the nation of Israel, though the fig tree shall not blossom, though there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in my God I will it 's a determined personal commitment. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And the circumstance didn't immediately change, but God will change the person that is in the circumstance immediately. Hallelujah. And He will make thy feet, if you do this, He will make thy feet like hinds feet. And He will make you, because that He has now given you sufficient grace, Hallelujah. And your attitude has changed. Your atmosphere has changed. Change the attitude. Change the atmosphere. Say it with me. Change the attitude. Change the atmosphere. That depression, that oppression... That sadness can turn to gladness without the circumstance initially changing. Before it changes, God will address the circumstance in due time. But He will address you right now. Can you say amen? He makes your feet like Heinz feet. You're not worried about the steepness of the grade. Because you are designed for those high places. And the highest places in God are the places that you attain when you worship Him in the deepest of valleys. You don't get into those heights by having no problems. Hyperfaith message says that you can control your circumstances through your confession and your faith. Bible says that God is controlled, controlling your circumstances. He decides when... To bring you out. And what to permit in your life. And think it not strange or unique. The fiery trial that has come to try you. As some strange thing has happened unto you. But what? God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to bear. Who will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to Not go through it? No, to bear it. There would be no testimony to God's faithfulness if there were not tested people to give that testimony. Amen. You say, Brother I don't want to be tested. Sorry. I'm sorry. In this world, how many are in this world? You shall have testings. You shall have tribulation. How many are in this world? Almost everyone. Kevin is in this world. Praise God. What world is this world? It's a fallen world. How many are in a faulty body? How many ever got a headache, belly back backache, and other terrible things that we won't even talk about this morning? Can you say amen? You know why? Because you're not in your glorified body yet. Don't tell it. Don't tell it. It's, it's too awful. Amen. Amen. You're in a faulty body. Thank God for the healing power of Christ. We're in faulty bodies. We're in a fallen world. And in this body, in this world, you shall have all of those troubles that we're asking God. Why me? Why not you? You're in a fallen world and a faulty body. But you have a faithful Father. Woo! I don't expect the road to get smooth. I'm just praying for heavy-duty shock absorbers. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Livingston was doing missionary work in South Africa, young, zealous Christian young men full of vim and vinegar and healthy and strong and thought their faith was right up there. They said, we want to help him. We want to lay down our life. We want to spend our life in missions and we want to go to those hard places like Livingston is. And they would write a letter to david livingston or their mission organization would write a letter said these men are willing to come and help you but there was a little condition in that letter and the condition was tell us the smoothest roads and the best ways to get to you and ultimately livingston would write back if you've got to have a smooth road to come to me don't even bother coming And you know what? People are looking for a smooth road when they follow Jesus. People are looking for that downhill slide into the kingdom of God. That obstacle free. (laughs) And Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself. Lose sight of self. Cancel out self. Amen. Let him take up his cross. And only then, after those two prerequisites, is he qualified to follow me. If you're not willing to suffer for it's a, it, the Bible said it's appointed us not only to live for his sake, and, but to suffer for his sake. It's been appointed to us. All those that live godly. This is a test right here this morning. All those that live godly. You flesh it out. You live it out. Not self-righteously, but Godly. You follow the Lord, not the world, when you come out of church. They shall suffer persecution. There's no exception. There's no exemption. If you're not suffering some form of... That doesn't mean just the world. It just means things are going to go wrong. The enemy hates the witness of someone who serves God and represents his blessing. Who serves God and has his help in the time of trouble. In my vocational life, I wanted to be such a witness for the Lord, and things went sour and things went wrong. I worked for Tampa Electric, and we were pulling in a long half-mile pull of big old feeder cable for underground utilities. That wire is expensive. We had just enough. They had issued us just enough on a roll to make the pull and have enough to make it up in this huge transformer. And I had the winch truck that had the winch on it to do the pulling. At the other end was my foreman and another man, three-man crew, underground residential uh, distribution. And they had the big roll of this highly expensive underground cable, the same type of cable that's overhead in three wires was all wound up into that one insulated wire. (laughs) And they didn't give us any extra. So I'm pulling, and they said... My foreman said, when you see my hat, when you see my hat go up, you stop. That means you have pulled it off the reel, pulled it right down to where they just have enough to make up at both ends, and you stop right then. I was pulling It got tighter It got tighter It was going around the underground It got tighter My truck was shaking like that And something in that knuckle boom That had the reel on it That my winch was attached That something popped And I looked up to see what popped And when I looked back I saw that hat I missed that cue By one second And boy That was something else because it had pulled it past where he could make it up. There was about a foot sticking out of the ground. and He needed three foot. <laughs> and he come running. And I'm going to tell you something. Hey, Amen. I I wasn't in the military. But they have like a DI. A drill instructor. He He eat me up. And I told him, well, it was an accident. He said, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We've got to get three foot back to make it up on my end. He said, I'm going back down there and we're going to grab a hole. Now, i got a winch truck and they're going to do this by hand. They think there's some slack in the cable and it's about to break my winch truck at the other end. They said, we're going to pull. Well, I thought if they're going to go down there and pull, ain't nothing going to happen unless God intervenes. Not for Tampa Electric's sake, but for my sake. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And listen, I wasn't really that concerned about His glory at that point. I was, it was about me. I didn't want to get reprimanded. I didn't want to get in more trouble. I didn't want to cost them all the money it was going to cost them to pull that cable out, tear it up, pull it out, and put a new one in. All that cost is because of me. I was in trouble. Listen, a guy in the Old Testament was using an axe that was borrowed. I I looked into that. The Israelites didn't have the technology for taking iron ore and turning it into metals. So this axe he had borrowed from a Philistine who did have the technology at that time. And it was worth way more than you could buy a hatchet for down at the Ace Hardware. Can you say, man? And if he couldn't return that axe to that man, he would be a... Bond slave. He would have to work maybe a year or two to pay off that one axe that fell into the water. So he got serious about his prayer life. He said, Lord, Lord, Lord. He cried unto the Lord. And God caused the axe head to swim. There's something in prayer, folks. There's something in prayer here. There's something in praise and prayer that that unifies in a faith that allows God to move mightily. But there's an inconsistency in our praise. There's an inconsistency and lack of continuity in our prayer. But if we could get it back, if we could be encouraged to pray without ceasing and to praise without relenting, can you say, Amen? If we could get it right. My incentive to praise, to pray that day was not foremost for the glory of God. It was for my immediate deliverance. The good news is that your deliverance brings glory to God. You didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. The Bible said, offer him thanksgiving in Psalm 50. Offer him thanksgiving. He said, any of the other sacrifices are insufficient without thanksgiving. You think you're feeding me, meeting a need in God when you offer all of the oxen and the lambs on the altar? He said, no, it's thanksgiving. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you because I own all the hills and the cattle of a thousand hills. He said, but offer me thanksgiving in Psalm 50. And then, after saying thank you, Lord, call upon me. Call upon me with that attitude of gratitude, that consistently thankful heart. Then call upon me in the time of trouble. And I will deliver you. And what happens when we're delivered? And thou shalt glorify me. Not just because you praise him for the answer, but because the answer itself brings glory to him. People see what God has done in your life, in your behalf. And God gets the glory. God healed me of cancer, eight years old, completely. God received the glory for that healing. Every day that I live, I represent the faithfulness and the goodness and the grace of a mighty, faithful God. Hallelujah. And He's let me live all these years to glorify Him. Can you say man? And to him that orders his conversation to write, the last verse in Psalm 50, to him will I show the salvation of the Lord. Can you say, man, he that's consistent in his thanksgiving, he that is consistent in his praise, I will show whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. Next to the last verse of Psalm 50. And whoso orders his conversation aright, I will show him the salvation of the Lord. Not salvation as we know it, as, as our souls say. That word in the Hebrew means, you'll see my delivering power. You will see my deliverance. You will not be defeated. You will not be destroyed. When you go through the fire. It will not kindle on you. For I am with you. When you go through the waters. They shall not overflow thee. For I am with you. You will go through. But you will not be hurt. You will not be harmed. You will not be defeated. You will not be destroyed. If you Order your conversation. I will bless the Lord, David said. At all times, I have his deliverance. In the time of trouble. He said, after you offer thanksgiving, then call on me. Psalm 50, 15. But before you get to 15, he's saying, with all of your offerings, without gratitude, nothing is received. But when you offer it with thanksgiving... When you offer it with thanksgiving. Then all the offerings are qualified. Hallelujah. And then call on me. In the time of trouble. I will deliver you. And thou shalt glorify me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Father we thank you. We just praise you today. Help us to be consistent. Help us to be consistent. Help us to be consistent in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Can you say amen? And for everything. Now listen, let me qualify that. The devil will take Scripture and twist it. we got people thanking God for the disease that's killing them or their children. I'm going to tell you something. That did not come from God. God doesn't want to hurt your children. God doesn't want to destroy you. He wants you to live out your days and bring Him praise. My daddy was in the hospital. I took him to the doctor when he was in his 70s. They treated him for pneumonia. Not not pneumonia. They treated him for the flu. Everybody had the flu. So they didn't even listen to his lungs. I went in with him. Doctor wrote him a prescription. Everybody coming in, hacking and coughing, got the flu. Here's some antibiotic. Go home. He went home. Two nights later, he can't breathe. And I took him to the hospital. He had double pneumonia. And it was advanced. It was in both lungs. His heart was weak. The doctor, after he examined him in the hospital, came and told me. South Florida Baptist in Plant City. He came and told me. He said, young man, this is your daddy. I said, that's correct. He said, Listen. He said, we give him antibiotic, we give him fluids, IVs, that's all that we can do. We can't promise you that he is going to survive this. If he had got here three or four days ago, he may have had a chance. But it's advanced, it's in both lungs, and he may not survive the night. I said, all right, thank you for being frank and clear with me. And I went back and told my daddy, I said, Daddy... I'm going out to my car, and I'm going to call on the name of the Lord in your behalf. They've done all they can do. Amen. And he said, Bobby, I'd I just soon go home. I'd just soon go. See, he, he'd all, he was giving in and giving up on living because he felt so bad. I understand that. Listen to me carefully. I went out, and I sat down in my car. I remember there was a street light on I remember opening to the book of Psalms In my Bible Reading by the street light Sitting in the front seat of the car I said Lord if it's time for my daddy to come home I can trust him to you But if th- it isn't time for him to come home And if the devil just wants to destroy him Amen Then I'm calling on you In his behalf I'm calling on your name Right now in the name of Jesus Christ and I, I, I don't put a lot of stock in just opening but Things happen for a reason I opened my Bible and, and it fell on a psalm And you know what it said It said And thou shalt not It was David Who they were trying to kill and destroy Who he thought I don't know what's going to happen I don't know what my future is But I'm trusting in God And God told him Thou shalt not die but live And what? Glorify me Can you say amen? Hallelujah When I deliver you It's going to bring glory to me Your deliverance is going to bring me glory Hallelujah And I said Lord be glorified then hallelujah amen touch my daddy and heal him and you'll get the glory for it the doctors know how bad he is you'll have to get the glory for it they can't take the glory for it they give up on him but if you deliver him you'll get the glory for it hallelujah can you say amen hallelujah i went back in i told my daddy what i read and he went into a peaceful sleep I went home, got a few hours' of sleep, went back the next morning, walked in around eleven AM. I didn't call to check on him because he's in God's hands. I knew he was okay. I had peace. In, when I left, I had perfect peace in my heart. Hallelujah. Sometimes you know that you know that you know. And then you're not worried. You don't wring your hands anymore, you raise your hands. Can you say amen and give him thanks? I walked in, it was time to eat. I saw steak, baked potato, (laughs) salad, and I thought steak. And he said, "Son, did you bring my teeth?" (laughs) I said, "I sure did, Daddy, right here." (laughs) He said, "I'm hungry, son. (laughs) I'm gonna need my teeth." (laughs) He said, son, did you bring my fast teeth powder? I said, yes, dad, it's right here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo! And I sat there and watched my daddy put in his teeth and eat that steak. The fever was gone. They were amazed. He was delivered and God was glorified. Can you say "Man, Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Always remember, if you pray for someone with false teeth, Take their teeth. (laughs) Hallelujah. You heard the story about the drought in the Midwest years ago. The whole church was going to meet together and pray. And they all gathered to pray for rain. Believed that God was going to hear them and send that rain. So they're crying out to God. But a man got there late. He rolled up in his buggy back in horse and buggy days. He rolled up in his buggy. He got out. And he had an umbrella in his hand. Everybody say an umbrella in his hand. If you're going to pray for rain. Oh, now, don't you say don't open that in here. It's bad luck. Luck has nothing to do with my life. If I see a ladder, I walk under it. I, do, I never walk around a ladder. Somebody think I'm superstitious. Oh, brother, mama, I wouldn't do that. What about a black cat? I had one. He was a lovely, lovely fellow. I got a dog that loves cats. I heard him say one time, I love cats. But, but I don't think I could eat a whole one. Can you say, man, it's just... It's, I think he's part pit. I don't know. I'm just one... One man came in. He didn't have it open like this. He didn't have it opened, but he brought an umbrella. And they looked around at him like, because they heard him come in, everybody stopped praying. You know how it is? How easily we're distracted. Man walks in the door. What? I mean, it's like that squirrel on that cartoon, you know? Squirrel? Or that dog? Squirrel? 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 Prayer is so easily interrupted, isn't it? Anything, everything, because it's so powerful, so potent, and the devil knows it. Amen. And they looked around, and they all, without saying it out loud, had the same question. It hadn't rained in six solid weeks, and there's not a rain cloud in the sky or in the forecast. And here's a man with an umbrella. Is he crazy? Is he off his nut? Is he getting senile in his old age? Or does he believe that God might actually hear and answer their prayer? And to prove his faith, if you're going to pray for rain, take an umbrella to the prayer meeting. And if you can't take an umbrella, why bother praying? You don't believe it's going to happen, anywho. Now, you don't have to take a physical umbrella, but I believe you have to take an attitude. Everybody say, an attitude. Attitude. An attitude of expectancy. Hallelujah. Why go to a prayer meeting as desperate, defeated, Lord in heaven, if you don 't come through, what are we going to do? What, why did the, if you don't come through what no, no no, 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 we need to get the attitude changed you 're the God of heaven and earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac and jacob, and you're my heavenly Father on top of that. Can you say, man, hallelujah? I have an expectation. Something is going to change. Hallelujah. Praise God. Something is going to give. If I don't give in, if I don't give up, God is not going to be unfaithful. Amen. What was that old song? When Paul and Silas both were thrown in jail, they didn't worry who would go their bail. But on the prayer bells they began to ring. All fell their stocks and they began to sing. Prayer bells from heaven, oh how sweetly they ring. Prayer bells from heaven, hallelujah. Haven't heard that song in years. Haven't heard prayer bells in years. Allison, you know the rest of the verse? Oh, you're just singing what I sing. i go hand you the mic and say, Sing that verse. She heard it because she knows, but she don't remember either, because we're not singing about prayer anymore. We're singing about other things. Listen to me. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Hey, that's no big deal. If you're in trouble, even you and I pray. We've even been up at midnight praying. I've had a toothache so bad, I was up all night praying just for the grace to get me to morning so I could go and get that abscess tooth out of my head. Thank God he got me through the night. Hallelujah. Praise God. But here's the thing that marked and made the difference they didn't just pray. Because of the trouble they were in. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prison doors didn't come open, and their deliverance did not come while they were praying alone. You see, a prayer meeting shouldn't stop with petition and as we leave, say, Now pray. You remember to pray. <laughs> If God don't come through, you've got to pray. No, no, no. There's a point where you accept that God has heard. And you accept that God is in control. And you accept that He loves you and He's not sitting aloof in His heaven. That that prayer has entered into His ear and God has it now. And and what is the requisite thing to do before you leave that prayer meeting? Have a praise meeting. And praise Him You say, Brother Venable The answer hasn't come yet The answer has Of course it hasn't come yet Because there have been no faith Expressed yet As your faith be So be it unto you And what is the language of faith? Initially it's not claiming the promise It's praising Him For keeping the promise Hallelujah And it's that inconsistency in prayer. You have not because you ask not. And in praise. That unthankful heart. Poor me. Why me? Why did this happen to me? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do this? What's going on? That's murmuring. And when they murmured, He kept them in perfect safety in the wilderness till they murmured. When they murmured... Did you know there were so many dens of snakes around them, but not one snake could bite one of them? There's a guy got in a river, was it Florida, last week or week before. He got bit by a snake while swimming in the river. He went home because he didn't have enough money or insurance to go to the emergency room. He didn't want this big bill. He just had a couple of puncture wounds on his leg. He went to sleep. His wife said he sn- went into a deep sleep. He was swelling up and everything, but, but he went to sleep. Snored more than usual. When they woke up the next morning, he was gone. So a water moccasin. The poison got in and it stayed in. But when they walked through the wilderness, all of those people, through all of that undisturbed wilderness, amen, almost three million people tromping around, not one snake bite. God kept them in perfect safety until, 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 mark it down, until something happened you know what happened they got they, they took the focus off of God they got their mind on their bellies and their circumstances and they said God must hate us to have brought us out here they didn't even give God a chance to prove his faithfulness before they started accusing him of unfaithfulness can you say man he must hate us he must hate us he brought us out here in the wilderness and he's left us to die out here you know what happened immediately amen all the snakes they couldn't buy them all the snakes that couldn't bite them come on this is in your bible people looking at me like i'm making it up oh no this is in the book that you carry around and give credibility to well i give credibility to it too and i don't want to get snake bit can you say amen hallelujah i want that hedge around me i want god's protection i want god's deliverance i want god's help in the time of trouble i can't afford the luxury of the poor old me's I can't feed my flesh at the expense of my spirit man. They murmured, complained. And the snakes that couldn't bite them, they bit every single one of them. There wasn't one person, man, woman, boy or girl or baby, that wasn't bit by a snake. The poison was in their veins. And Moses said, what do I do? See, now you've got to have mercy. You've got to have grace flowing from the heart of God. He said, I want you to take and melt brass. I want you to put it in a mold. A mold that represents the serpent itself. And I want you to take that brazen serpent That brass serpent And I want you to put it on a top of a pole And I want you to lift it up For all the people to see And tell them to look here Look there And if they look They will be healed The poison will not harm them And it will not kill Why? A serpent why a serpent? Because on the cross, Christ who knew no sin was made to be the very thing that's killing us. Can you say, man, he, was, he didn't sin, but he was treated as a sinner. And made to be sin that we might be what? Made the righteousness of God in him. Can you say, man, it was a type of Jesus on the cross. He said, put it on a pole of wood. Put the serpent on a pole of wood and everyone that looks will be healed everyone and you know what happened almost 3 million snake bit people got an antidote and I'm going to tell you about this world and everyone in it that knows not Christ they are snake bit but they don't know it Can you say, man, listen to me carefully. And Jesus on the cross and the message of the cross is the antidote for the poison of sin within every man, woman, boy, and girl. But thank God for you today. How many have looked to Jesus on that cross for your salvation? I want you to know the poison and the result of sin has been canceled inside of you and canceled inside of me. And that creates in me an attitude of gratitude. My best friend may quit me, but God is for me, and I'm going to praise Him. (laughs) Woo, brother! Remember, why'd you do that? Because it felt good. Why aren't you doing it? Cat got your tongue. What happened to the church? Did a cat get its tongue? You can't speak in the presence of God? Can't worship? Because you don't feel like it? Because your circumstance is not conducive to worship? Honey, your circumstances is highly... Oh, I'm not talking about your job. I'm not talking about your money. I'm not talking about your friends or who did you wrong. I'm talking about who did you right. Who hung on the tree. Who forgave your sin. Who said, I'll never leave you. Your circumstances are highly conducive to gratitude and praise. Can you say "Man, My dad lived from his 70s to be 93 years of age. And Brother Taylor, I believe he would have died in that hospital because they couldn't do anything else and the pneumonia was so advanced unless there was prayer and praise offered in that parking lot. Amen. But God is a gracious God. He said to David, Thou shalt not die, but thou shalt live, and thou shalt glorify me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He wants the glory. We need the good that comes from His help. So how many people in this room say, Pastor, I want... To be more consistent in my prayer life. Let me see your hand. I want to be more consistent in my prayer life. I don't want to be just driven to God because of the trouble. I want to be drawn to God. Because of the accessibility I have to Him and the fellowship He offers me. In His presence there's fullness of joy. At His right hand there's pleasure forevermore. How many want to be more consistent in praise? How many will stop... Just before we go on complaining. I'm not saying you'll never complain. I would mean catch yourself mid-stride. Mid and Say, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Whoa, big boy. I'm talking about your tongue now. Come on. The Bible said you've got to bridle that thing. You've got to bridle it. Because it's set on fire of hell. And life and death is in the power of it. You can talk yourself into a pit of despair. Or you can quote the Word of God, and you won't need Him to throw you a line to pull you out. The Word of God itself, His promises are yea and amen to them that believe. becomes a ladder for you to climb out. I've climbed out of many a pit simply by standing on the Word of God. Hallelujah. And he don't need to throw you a line when you've got a ladder. Give me a ladder, I'll climb out, thank you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I ain't going to sit in no pit with a ladder in there with me and complain about how deep the pit is. I'll climb that thing. I'm not as spry as I used to be. My joints don't work as well, but I'll climb that ladder. I don't like being in that pit down in the dark, dismal, defeated. Amen. Have you ever been around people in that pit? They want you to climb down in it. they got a ladder, but they don't want to climb out. They want to use the ladder to climb down in there. Misery does love company. I want to, I want to show you the ladder. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's close with this today. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Ezekiel twenty-two and verse thirty in close. You will not be this person that is so desperately needed today in our nation, in our homes, in our churches. And I won't be this person today unless something Changes in the consistency of our praise and the continuity of our prayers. God wants to hear from heaven. God wants and wills to heal our land. God wills to deliver you that He might be glorified because He can't get glory out of your defeat and your depression. How many know that don't represent His word or His kingdom? So I'm not just fighting for my convenience. When I fight the good fight of faith, I'm fighting to bring honor to my king. I don't want victory so I can watch TV without pain. I mean that's a side effect, but that's not why I initially want victory. I don't like pain. It's hard to enjoy a movie with pain. You get a bad toothache, ain't no movie ever made good enough to satisfy you till you get something done. How many's ever used aura gel? <laughs> hey, man. how many has ever took an aspirin and put right in the bad tooth and chomped down on it it don't taste good but you're desperate now you'd do anything my grandma lived back in the horse and buggy days I said what would you do about when there wasn't a dentist she said dentist came riding on a mule every three months and, and he yanked bad teeth and did what he could to help people I said what if he didn't show up she said one winter he didn't Snow was too bad. He couldn't get to our valley. He said, She said, I was up three nights with a toothache. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. The pain was so excruciating. I said, what did you do, Mima?" She said, I took an ice pick. I put it over the open fire of the fireplace. I kept it there until it was glowing red hot. And then she said, I took it off the fireplace and I stuck it down in that cavity she gave herself a root canal she killed the nerve in the tooth it almost killed the bacteria killed the nerve about killed me just listening to the story I said no, no, no she said I did she said it hurt for a little while but after a while she said I didn't feel nothing and I thought, boy, I'd have to be in bad shape. <laughs> Can you say, man? In fact, I don't think I could do it to myself. I'd have to call him and his brother to hold me down and do it to me. Can you say, man? And do me a favor and knock me out first, <laughs> knock me out cold and then hold me down. God is looking for somebody. God is looking for somebody. I feel this prophetically today. God's church is a house of preaching. God's church and God's house is a house of praise. But that is not the primary reason. And God's ministers are to preach the gospel, and we're good at it. In fact, we're professional. We're professional. We're professional. We're professional. professional. But let me tell you something about professional and what God has called the church to and what we're not doing and what we're not seeing today. Listen carefully. My house shall be called a house of preaching. You betcha. My house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of praise. You bet you. We've got the grandest choirs that have ever stood on a platform gloriously arrayed and singing perfect pitch songs to heaven. Can you say, man, we've got preachers that are the most well-educated preachers that have ever been in pulpits in the history of the church or the world as far as theologically qualified. But that is not the primary purpose of God. God's house. Can you say man? My house shall be called What did Jesus say? Number one Number one. Number one A house of prayer. If no one Preached today not many people would be Here. If we called just a Prayer Sunday for people to come and pray Not many would show up because there's Nothing to watch. There's nothing to look At. There's nothing to pass the time An hour in prayer will go extremely Slow unless you get Into intercession And into the presence of Almighty Almighty God, can you say, man? Hallelujah. Call a prayer meeting. You'd better lace it with breakfast. Call a prayer breakfast. You know what people want to know? I got together with eight preachers 25 years ago, wanted to have a prayer breakfast among several churches. You know what killed the whole thing? The menu. We couldn't decide on the menu. We were going to pray for our city and pray for revival and pray for our loved ones, but we couldn't decide on what we we're going to have for breakfast. One preacher said there's no point in it. If we have a continental breakfast, it won't cost very much, but people won't get full and they're going to complain. This happened. If we have a full breakfast, it's going to cost too much and they're going to complain about the cost. So everybody put in their two cents worth about what they were going to eat and we never even had a prayer meeting because we couldn't decide on what to have for breakfast at the prayer breakfast. So the emphasis was now off the prayer and on the breakfast. Prayer luncheon, prayer dinner, Get together, stuff our belly, fasting in prayer. Forget about it. Forget about it. We're into feasting. On Sunday, the church meets, eats, and retreats. And the land gets worse, and we complain. And the world even complains. They think that God ought to be doing something if He exists. Where was God? As Billy Graham's daughter. On CBS after 9-11. Where was God? I love her answer. She said, you can't have it both ways. You can't say we don't want God in our schools. We don't want prayer in our schools. And then ask where he was when trouble comes to the nation. You can't push him out of, every, uh, out of the courtroom. You can't push him out of all of society. And then ask why he didn't show up and he didn't do something to protect us. And they didn't have an answer for that. I thought it was a good answer. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe God wants through the church people that will intercede and believe Him and become consistent in prayer and praise. I believe He wants to show up. And I believe He wants to show out. Can you say man? I believe He wants to be glorified by answering our prayers and helping us in the day of trouble. And I believe the complaining, the complaining, the complaining is allowing the enemy to do the damage that God... God wants to heal, but we can't get God's people to hold their peace. Can you say, man, we can't get them to shut up long enough to give Him praise and honor. We've got to vent it. We've got to vent it. We're looking for sympathy and pity instead of victory. Can you say, man, and it's got to stop and it's got to change. Going to be blunt with you. This is real. This is spiritual warfare. We can't afford the luxury of petting our flesh. Part of crucifying your flesh and taking up your cross is holding your tongue and mine and checking honestly our attitude. Is God getting thanks every day of our life or is He being questioned? Is He being accused? what God is looking for as we close today Ezekiel 22 and verse 30 see God wants to heal the land God wants to help the oppressed God wants to deliver God wants to set free God wants to save he said and I sought I sought for a man among them who should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. Before I judge the land, I looked for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Where's he gonna find such people? We want to rush into church and rush out to the golden corral. Let's have church, but don't let it don't let it encroach upon my agenda. I want to hear a 30 minute message and I want to get about my business. There's nobody. He said, if I don't find somebody, if I don't find somebody that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge, then I'm going to have to judge the land. If there's no intercessor, the land is going to be judged. And guess what? What? There was no intercessor. He said, so I brought the judgment. But it didn't have to happen. If God's house becomes a house of prayer. If God's house becomes a house of prayer, if God's people begin to intercede. I know people that have given up on America. If 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 we have another attack by terrorists, they'll say good enough for you. You didn't repent you didn't turn to God good enough for you. That's not what God is looking for hallelujah they've given up on any form shape or fashion of revival in this nation if we give up revival we give it to the devil we hand it over on a platter we serve it up to him can you say man hallelujah I will not serve my loved ones up my land can you say man I'm gonna fight for my children I'm gonna fight for my grandchildren I bound them to my heart I don't eat a meal without intercession for their soul I said I will not sit down and feed my belly and not pray for my household I'll pray for them at other times but I don't eat a meal you can ask my wife if we're in Burger King it's a long prayer it's not because the food is dirty and I got to get the germs off of it I'm not asking God to take the calories out of my milkshake can you say man do you hear me today although it would be wonderful if that could happen no I'm spending my time for that that's most important I'm saying Lord I don't miss those meals oh no I am consistent when I get Hungry, I start looking for something to put in my belly. Amen. I'm going to tie my intercession to my eating. Boy, I'm going to be faithful. Amen. Amen. And the revival for this nation. I don't eat a meal that I don't pray the apostles prayer in acts four. Lord behold the threat to the gospel and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word by doing what by doing what by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders occur in the mighty name of Jesus and the Bible said and when they had prayed that prayer when they prayed that prayer when they prayed that prayer the place wherein they gathered was shaken and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus Christ. No one took a pilgrimage to an empty tomb that may or not be the true tomb of Jesus to prove He was alive. Amen. It was the answers to prayer and the confirmation of the Word when the Gospel was preached that proved the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that we don't have the power in the church, we've got to go back to ancient history to try to prove the point. Now that there's no healing, there's no help, there's no deliverance, there's only depression, disappointment, and defeat. And until that changes, how in the world can God be glorified? When He raised me up from that stroke, He got the glory before I got out of the hospital. He got the glory when I walked out without a wheelchair. He got the glory when I showed up at church and didn't have to sit down. It's been almost three years. It'll be three years this September. He's got the glory every time I walk in and I walk out. When I went to the nursing home and to visit my dad before he passed away, the nurse in the elevator said, I deal with these things all day long. You're not supposed to be walking and talking. Do you know that you are a miracle? I said, yes, I do. Hallelujah to the glory of God. Take no credit for it. Give God the glory for it. And when the lady that you work with is diagnosed with cancer, what does he do? He said, let me tell you about my pastor. Let me tell you about how God delivered him. He gave her hope because there's somebody that has received from the hand of God. Hallelujah. 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 How many are going to try this week to start putting something different in place in your life? How many want to praise Him more consistently? Cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude. How many want to pray more consistently? Not just when trouble comes, but just get up and begin your day by saying, Lord, I thank you, I bless your name. Just blend your praise and your prayer together. We're the priests and kings unto God. We have access to God Almighty. And he said, if you come with the right attitude, I'll hear from heaven. And I'll heal your land. Revival will come. Will you stand with me today? What a mighty God that we serve today.